If you guys have a Bible, we're basically going to turn to all of Revelation. We're just going to read the whole thing. Uh, I'm just kidding. And then we're going to get into it. But this is a concluding sermon on Revelation. And, and really what it is, is it's been a reflection on what God's done in my heart through Revelation. And then next week, it's a reflection on what God's done in y'all's heart. So, um, and so like, I don't really, I was telling Mo this week, I don't really like these types of sermons because it's kind of like, I like to be tied to a text. I like to kind of know like what this is saying. And this is kind of like, it's a text, but it's an entire book and the conclusion of it after we've all gone through it together. So, um, but will you guys uh, pray with me, uh, pray with me this prayer and then we'll get into it. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Blessed are the hearers, readers, and keepers of this word. Amen. So, it's hard for me to boil down the last year and a half that we spent in Revelation, um, because it's meant so much to us. I believe it's meant so much to me, but it's also meant so much to us as a church. And I will say now that kind of being done preaching Revelation, um, it's surprised me in, in multiple ways. But it's really like if there if there was one thing I could like say is like it's really surprised me. It's it, it's blown. It's blown away. It's meant a lot. And I feel like I've grown to love Revelation more and more where I was kind of apprehensive when we first got into it. But now just going walking away and seeing all its wonder and splendor. Hearing uh, Hadassah say, Dad, I don't remember the sermon, but the text was beautiful. Like that kind of thing is just really means a lot. And I found preaching through it that what before preaching through it, what most folks said Revelation was about, I didn't find much of what they found in it. So like end times and beasts and dragons and 666 and the thousand year reign, it's all in there to be sure. But it doesn't make up the whole of the book. In fact, I couldn't find as much uh, as many answers as others can find in this text about those things. And maybe I think it's mainly because of the approach that we took to the book that we we started off. I don't know if you guys remember this, but we started off saying that this is the end times that we're living in it. So we started off with an assumption that we're in the end times, but we're also starting off with the assumption that uh, the first church that that it was preached to, that they were in the end times as well. And so kind of that idea that the end times always have been and always like you can you can see all these things has really uh, been been helpful in this that maybe it, it, it hasn't we haven't hyper focused on one sentence uh, or another um, to the exclusion of all the rest. And I think sometimes to the exclusion of the main point, I didn't find myself worrying about the beasts or the dragons. I remember conversations that we've had about these things, maybe outside of the sermons, but as we get down into those nitty gritty details, I didn't, I didn't find myself worrying about what the thousand year reign looks like for us and for, for uh, us as a church and, and Christ. But what I found is that it is incredibly practical for our life in Christ today. And I think this is, it's not just about the future, and it's not just written to churches in the past, but it's for us in the here and now. And I think that that really surprised me how relevant it is to us in the here and now. In my first sermon in Revelation, I mentioned that the book was meant to lead us into the unknown world of faith. I said something like that. 
that God is vast and unknowable and whole. Like, if, if we knew God completely, like, he would cease to be God, right? Because our finite minds. That there is much mystery to God as we work out our salvation in fear and trembling. That we come uh, not expecting to know everything, but with the parts that we do know, we're meant to walk it out. To, to let it impact our lives, to live out our faith day to day. Even if we don't know everything, this little bit that we do know, we can walk with it. And I believe Revelation helps us do this. There are many odd and wonderful and frightening things that happen in this book. But alongside that, there's an encouragement to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, to keep our eyes fixed on the throne of God, to seek first his kingdom, and, and, and in that, we know that God, what God is talking about and Revelation is giving us a picture of, he's saying, look, it's going to be a difficult road to walk, but walk, walk it. And as we walk it, and in the end, we know that and we believe and we trust that it will all be worth it. So you know what we do? We keep walking with Jesus. We keep walking with him day in and day out, despite what's going on all around us. Endurance is, in a lot of ways, is the key to looking at Revelation. To looking at Revelation, just, just last until the end. Keep holding on. I promise you that I'm going to be victorious. I promise you that, that I am going to win. Just as you trust that my, my, my sin, your sins are forgiven because of what I did on the cross, I'm also coming back. So keep holding on and keep believing me. Like, don't let go of the vision of love and grace and of God's kingdom to come. There will be much that will want to take our eyes away from this. But we get to keep our focus on Christ and walk towards God's throne with the Holy Spirit guiding us all, uh, all along the way. And in a lot of ways, Re Revelation has taught us to not just make our walk with Jesus about other things. We get to, a lot of revelation has to do with re renouncing idols, being, getting away from them. And then, but not only seeing that it's good that we get away from them because we watch them get defeated. We got, watch them get crushed. We watch God just totally put all the, the lies and the idols to death. And we get to walk into difficult situations with the confidence that God is victorious, even if it doesn't look like it. Maybe even especially when it doesn't look like it. And if we stick with God, then we are in good hands. We're in good hands with him the whole way through. He protects his people. And so we get to remain in the faith that God is good enough, that he is our protector, that he is victorious, and that he wants us to have a life that's found in him. And this is a beautiful thing. And Revelation does expose the idols and many of our fears and it teaches us to renounce and walk away from these idols and to walk through our fears to the other side of them to where we just can trust showing that we can trust in Jesus that we can keep walking that we um and I know I've said this before but I was reminded of it all this week our faith needs to be able to walk our faith needs to have legs. It needs to be able to walk in and through life in, positive, in good times and in bad. Our faith in Jesus doesn't always feel spiritual. Like sometimes it's just take another step. Well, God, I don't feel you. I know, but I'm here. Just trust me and take this next step. Because we don't conjure up God's presence or love. 
it's always there. So we keep following. We keep walking with him. Even when we can't see everything that's going on, we can still trust in him. And with all the prophetic stuff in Revelation, it reminds us both of um, uh, it reminds us of the both and nature of our walk with Jesus. It's not just all practical. There is a spiritual side to it. There is the body, but there is the soul. There is um, what we need to be doing and what we need to be believing. We need to like connect all these things and we get to pay attention to what's happening in God's spiritual realm as we walk out life in this practical realm. They're physically, like Jesus came embodied as a human saying that it's good too. Our bodies are good. Our physical world is good. And, and it, it, it can be better is if we worship Jesus. And in a way, we've spent a year and a half walking through Revelation, um, an intensely spiritual book full of visions and prophecies. And yet, even in the midst of that, and we don't ignore that. We include that into our lives. It's been intensely practical for walking out our Christian life in the here and now. More practical, and I guess this is the big surprise, more practical than I had imagined at the start of this book. And I'll say this as I was looking back um, over my first sermon. I'm proud of us as a church, to be honest. We didn't create graphs and charts. We didn't break down and and say, we didn't break down and uh, figure out the date when Jesus is coming back. Maybe some of you guys did. I, I don't know. But we didn't, um, we didn't hash out eschatology or study of end times like, and figure out exactly what, where we all land as far as like is Jesus coming back pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, all that kind of stuff. But what we did do is we walked through this book with humility. We walked with it slowly. and We walked in it slowly and prayerfully. And I believe that as a church... We are attempting to be readers, hearers, and doers of this word. To keep God on the throne, and we are attempting to let him rule and reign, and let Christ, who is the lion and the lamb, and believe in him. And this is not always easy to do. Actually, Revelation has been a very contentious book, but it hasn't been contentious with us. But with God's grace, I believe we stuck to this idea, this difficult task of not going off topic and actually being centered on Christ the entire time. And I'm grateful for this, this, uh, oh, do the, sorry, the prayer that we had up there. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for this centering every week that at least we could say, okay, look, we're in revelation. We're about to talk about six, 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 the mark of the beast. And, uh, uh, and, and by the way, when we preached that, there was a lot of actual talk about 666 and the mark of the beast at the time because vaccine mandates and stuff like that. And a lot of Christians were saying that's the mark of the beast. And so it, we say glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. And that, that at least for me, helped alleviate the fear that, no, God, you're the same. It's okay. We can, we can figure this out. You knew you were who you were before COVID and you are who you are now. And so we don't have to walk with fear. But even reflecting on this, just as far as our church, I'm grateful for in the sermon series to have Karina and Tyrone preach from time to time. I, I have enjoyed their words and their voices uh, in this book as well. And Tyrone had a quote in one of his sermons that said, people need to be reminded more than, instruction, more than instructed. And I find this to be true just in my life in general, but like uh, uh, applicable, uh, 
like really applied to this book, that we get to be reminded of God and his victory. We get to be reminded that idols want to pull us away from God's presence, and we get to be reminded that we renounce them. There's truly nothing new in Revelation, but it is a reminder to us over and over of who God is. Tyrone captured the heart of, of, of this reminder in his sermons that he preached here, and I love that um, we can continue to learn from that. Not only that, I think like, if I'm being honest, one of my favorite parts about having uh, particularly Tyrone in this preach is that he and I had some really good discussions about some very difficult texts in Revelations, kind of trying to hash it out and go like, okay, what, um, what was, uh, like, what is God actually doing here? Like, this is what we've all heard it's been made about, but what, and, and boiling it down, it's really been a blessing to me. And I, I would argue that even like, um, like, uh, Tyrone's voice has been in sermons that he didn't even preach that I preached because, because of some of this stuff. And I know I really, um, uh, and I really appreciate kind of the unity of heart that, uh, Tyrone, that you had during this for, for that, that section. But, and then, um, Karina preached one of my favorite texts in Revelation. Uh, I was a little bummed. I, I could say a little bit mad that she picked out Revelation 21, one through eight. But this side of her preaching it, I'm grateful that she did. I'm grateful that she did. First of all, I, I think like <clears throat> the way that God ministered to me in this text was in part the story how she even selected this text, which I don't know if everybody knows or remembers, but before she even selected to it, I was not going to include it in the next list for somebody to preach. I was going to be like, no, this one's mine. I'm going to hold on to it. And the Holy Spirit nudged me and said, add it to the list. And if someone else wants to preach it, let them. And of course, then Karina's like, I was like, what text, Karina, did you want to preach any? And she told me that this is the one that she wanted to preach. And I knew, I knew ahead of time that that was going to be it. Like, but then when it came for her time to preach it, she didn't know this, but I was going to be super judgmental because this is my favorite. I wish she was here today. I just want to see her. But I was going to be super judgmental if she missed the mark on it. But you know what? She didn't. Not only that, the way that she preached it, the words that only Karina could have used for that sermon is going to help me. Um, I'm going to speculate into my own future. It's going to continue to be a tremendous blessing the way that she used that text and the way that it spoke to me. It, not only did she not mess it up, but it adds to my love for Revelation 21, 1 through 8. Um, and, and it gives me so much hope, but also um, it, it's just a, a, a text for the correction of being on the right path of grace. And I'm truly grateful to Karina for that. But, and I'm grateful for both her and Tyrone, the way the Holy Spirit used both of them in my, my life, but in the body of our church as well. And I think, though, is I, if I had to sum up the first thing that I wrote down, what has Revelation been to me? This is what I wrote. Trust more, trust less. Let me, let me explain it in just a minute. We get to trust in God and in Christ, and as the Holy Spirit leads us in our life, this trust in Him is essential. This trust in God is absolutely necessary 
like when times are good, when times are bad, we get to trust him. I think this is why Revelation has meant so much to me. We get to trust him in good times, and then we see some really horrible times. And you know what our job's to do? Trust him. Trust not only in what he said and what he did on the cross, but not, well, not, not only, but take it back even further, what he did in creation, what he did on the cross, what he's doing right now in our hearts and in our lives, and then what he will do. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He's, he's given us a glimpse of the end. He knows where we are right now, not only as a church, but individually. He knows where we are as a nation, and he knows where we are as a world and he knows that we can trust him. That's why he keeps saying, like, trust in me. He tries so many different ways to just say, hey, trust in me. I believe God spent this book of Revelation showing us that we can trust him, that he's absolutely trustworthy. And I trust God more because of this time spent in Revelation, and I hope that y'all do too. But also, at the same time, I trust less not God, of course. Like, that's not the way this works. I trust the government less. I trust idols less. I trust in people's interpretation over the, these texts that we see in Revelation. And yet, at the same time, I think I give more grace for people and however they want to interpret it because, okay, it's, it is what it is. But over the last six years, personally, I have preached through the politically charged Psalms and then put the politically charged Psalms on steroids and you have Revelation, the way it talks about politics, all while going through and watching what's happened in the last six years in our nation politically. And it's probably always been that way. We just couldn't see it because Twitter wasn't around. But like we've seen it more in the last six years. And, it, and not only that, there's just so much upheaval and craziness in our country and in this world. And it's allowed a, a lot of different idols um, from all sorts of different areas to kind of like grow up. And that even though, even through the political upheaval in our country, in our world, has allowed any potential idols made of politics disintegrate forever. Like they're gone. We are citizens of another kingdom. I, and I think like this is the way like thinking, thinking about this is like in our culture, we are taught. I just read articles and it was like everyone was trust this, trust that. We are taught that we are supposed to uh, uh, have these are the people that are going to solve our problems. The government, like what is government going to do about homelessness? What is government going to do about Internet security? What is the government going to do about you name it? The question's out there, and it's written by journalists, what is the government going to do about X, Y, Z? And it's not just in the United States. This is all over the world. What is, doesn't the government know that there's poor people in this country? Like, doesn't the government know? Whatever, you, whatever your thing is, is like, probably does, and it might care, but it might not. But when we, not only that, so if the government's not the solution, you know what is? This new gadget. This new smartphone, this new uh, mask, this new whatever it may be, this new thing, this new gadget. So it's government's gadgets and then science. We're, these are supposed to solve all our problems. And yet we have all three of these things and they don't solve all our problems. 
And I find that we are citizens of another kingdom and another culture where we don't rely on the governments, the gizmos, and the science. Like, we don't rely on those things. We rely on God's kingdom to come. We don't weave our politics with God's kingdom to come. We don't, we don't say, oh, we don't have idols. We, no, we rely on Christ. I, I told a friend this week that I said, uh, and he, he has cancer and he's wrestling with it. And, and, and I, I told him uh, as we were talking, it just, I was reminded that, you know what? You can leave your house and lock the door, but it's God who protects your house. And if we don't believe that, and so like he's doing all this stuff for his health, which is beautiful and he needs to continue to do it. But God is the giver of health. God is the giver of health. God is the giver of life. And this is what we as Christians in God's kingdom get to believe that yes, we can do our due diligence. We can vote our conscience. We can have things that are helpful for us. We can actually believe some of the science that's out there. But at the end of the day, we know Our answers come from God because we are truly foreigners and sojourners of this world. We belong with Christ and we long to be with Him in our home with Him. And may that day be soon. So as we trust more in God, we trust less in money, fame, power, prestige, politics, opinions, even opinions that some consider facts, right? And and as helpful as some of these may be, um, we don't also then just get to... construct our own little world but as we as we do this and this is why i wanted to sing um on christ the solid rock i stand at least we got the chorus right right so at least we got the chorus right but as the world offers up all these different solutions as foundational like our foundation is on christ he's on christ christ is our cornerstone he is our firm foundation and as the world looks to other things we look to christ because we understand that all other solutions are dull in the light and love and the grace and justice of christ the solutions pale in comparison to repentance to faith and grace and i think that's the point I think that's the point. Actually, I think it, Revelation helped me understand the Psalms more, which I could get into forever. But I think that's the point of the Psalms. But that's the point of Revelation, is that all else compels to the glory of God. And on Christ, the solid rock, we stand, and all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. So grace and mercy, we get to trust less and trust more. We get to trust that Jesus is coming back and we can wait with hope and expectation. And I pray that we may do this. And I can't wait to hear next week the different ways that God has spoken to you through Revelation. To be honest, I'm excited for it. These are my, it was my, one of my favorite sermons in uh, the Psalms and it'll probably be one of my favorite sermons in Revelation. Because uh, last but not least, Revelation has continued to show me that he is moving, that God is moving, not just in history, not just in the future, but he's moving here and now at Grace and Mercy Church and in the church in our, our greater area and everywhere. So I end this this way. Jesus, will you please just come back soon? So Jesus, we ask that you will come back, that you will come back soon. 
We ask that our eyes may be fixed on you until that happens. We ask for the grace to endure and the power to trust in your holy name and trust in your goodness and your glory and your might. In Jesus' name, amen.